Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Was that a beatdown last night or what? On the second night of a back-to-back, where they lost to the Sacramento Kings, Luka Doncic going scorched earth on the Warriors at their arena. Holy crap. It was Luka Doncic. It was Tim Hardaway Jr. It was a combination of Mavericks that just blew them out of the out of the dang water to start that game. It was 36 to 12 after one. It was 62 to 29 at half. Man, for, for a team with playoff aspirations like the Warriors and after that amazing run by Steph Curry, he was fine last night, by the way. But after all of that, all of a sudden, the Dubs, they're gone 500 over their last six. They are 500 on the season. Huge win for the Mavs, by the way, because they now have that tiebreaker. The only team they don't have a tiebreaker uh, in the standings around them is on Portland, who they're ahead by a game of. And now they're currently the sixth seed. So we've got some mixing and matching going on. And it's getting down to the, the, the nitty-gritty, the dirty here, uh, with 10-plus games left or however many. So we've got quite a race to pay attention to. Today has a lot of implications, and we are recording on a Wednesday morning. This is Keeping It 94, a part of the BasketballNews.com podcast network. Your boy Spencer Davies, along with Brian Fritz, bring you another episode. And boy, it, there's just a lot. I, I know that I say there's a lot that, that's going on every week, but there's some important things that are going to happen uh, over this next week. There's a lot that's going on and you look at the seating and it's not even, you know, just for playing games right now, but when we're talking about the top of the conferences in both the East and the West, it is tight. I I think we have a pretty good beat on who's going to get into the playoffs, especially in the West, or at least get into the playing portion of it. But there's a lot of jockeying that's going on, and there's a lot of people that are a lot of teams that are fighting to say, okay, am I going to be a six seed or am I going to be a seven seed? Am I going to be a 10 or an eight? Uh, there's a lot of fighting there. And then even at the top of the West, you've got two games separating the top three teams. You know, in the East, three and a half games are separating uh, the top three 
injuries are playing a part into it, especially, you know, in the East when, you know, you sit there and going, okay, this is going to be for the Sixers. It's right for the pickings with James Harden out and they're going to get that top seed. Wait, nope, no, they're not. Oh, and by the way, everybody look out. Here come the Milwaukee Bucks. Forgot about them for a little while and they didn't have Giannis, but guess what? They're playing pretty good basketball. So there, there's a lot of moving and shaking that's going on. And it's, we're down to this final stretch of 10, 11 games. And uh, looking ahead at schedules and we're going to do all of that and like where everybody's at right now, but it is interesting to see everybody kind of moving and shaking and where they're going to end up. And I think there's even going to be some teams that are sitting there going, you know what? We're in this spot, but I really wouldn't mind being in the one behind it, maybe a little bit more. So th- th- there's going to be a lot of that as well. Moving and shaking. Is that, is that going to be the name of this week's episode? Cause I'm, I'm digging it. I'm digging it. Moving and shaking for playoff positioning. <laughs> Moving and shaking. All right. Uh, we are on Twitter at Spin Davies. He is on Twitter at Brian Fritz. I'm on Instagram at Spin Davies, and he is on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. So uh, let's get this kicked off. Uh, let's continue to talk about the play in, and then we'll get into uh, you know my article later. Uh, so here, here's the thing. So there, there are teams in the West that are fighting for their damn lives. Um, Portland being one of them, they got a, a monumental victory on Tuesday night over the Pacers in Indiana. Anthony Simons, Ant, the first Ant, not Anthony Edwards. Anthony Simons, Ant, nine straight threes. He went nine for nine to start from deep and, and just complete flamethrower when they needed him to be because there's something a little off with Damian Lillard right now. He's clearly playing sort of through some sort of injury. Uh, Not that you can take a break at this point of the season, but maybe they consider a little rest recovery for him before the playoffs. Um, They are currently in the play in tournament. So uh, they're they're pretty much guaranteed a, a playoff spot if they stay where they're at right now. But you got to look out for Memphis because Memphis is starting to really find themselves and, and Jaron Jackson Jr.'s back. I know they just got blown out at Denver, but second night of back-to-backs at altitude, come on. Those are, those are like impossible to win. Um, they actually do face the Blazers uh, this evening, so that is a, a huge game. Then you have San Antonio, which whenever you think they're dead, they come right back alive again, right? This is just how it works with, with Pop's bunch. So they're making themselves a nice push. DeMar DeRozan's been fantastic. DeJounte Murray looking great as always. Derek White's been one of their best Ironmen. I actually will have an interview with Derek White next week. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. And then we mentioned the Warriors already, uh, but they're starting to dip a little. At the same time, their spot is looking more secure by the, the day because the Pelicans are not doing anything to advance in that standings column. Uh, so that's, that's difficult on its own. But then if you look past the, the play in tournament, uh, you know, the, like you said, the moving and shaking Utah and Phoenix are kind of flip flopping there at the top. Uh, the Clippers still are very much with very much. So within reach of that one seed. Um, and clearly, you know, the injuries have an effect on that. I don't know. Um, Who's going to be five and six or, or five and four with, 
with the Lakers and Dallas or whoever, but uh, th- those, those five seem pretty safe. And, and I would even say to an extent Dallas, just because they'll make the play in tournament, even if they have this like long losing streak. Um, but out of that grouping in the, the play in tournament that we were talking about, who's your favorite and who's your least favorite? Well, looking at it right now, and when you look at the scheduling, and, and I feel like when it comes to the West, I think we know our 10 teams. I think we know who's at least going to make it into the play-in. The Pelicans have been a disaster. Uh, they have been a mess. They've blown so many different games down the stretch. They're out. Kings, I, we wrote them off so long ago, or at least I know I did, and they kept trying and trying. It's the They don't have team. the Aaron Fox. I, I still believed in my Kings, I, but you know what? Yeah, they're 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 through. They're yeah. through this season. I mean, the, the Thunder have been openly trying to tank. They didn't tell that to the Boston Celtics on Tuesday night, apparently. You know, they're out. T-Wolves have been out. The Rockets are out. So we've got our 10, basically. It's just Shout out to the T-Wolves, by the way. Three in a row. Yeah. In a row. I With mean, my, my, my rookie of the year, Anthony Edwards, making his push, even though that uh, got a stir on social media, I will still stand by Anthony Edwards as my rookie of the year currently. So you mentioned the Memphis Grizzlies. Yes. And to me, that is the team to look out for, especially when it comes to their positioning in the play-in tournament. And not only have they finally gotten healthy, Triple J is back, you got Morant, they still need Jonas, but they've gotten a lot healthier. You look at their schedule down the stretch. It is the biggest cupcake schedule of any team right now in the NBA. Okay, they do have to play Portland on Wednesday night. Well, listen to this um, mashed potato schedule after that. Orlando, Orlando. And do you have New York, Minnesota, Detroit, Toronto, New Orleans, Dallas, and the final three, Sacramento, Sacramento. And then on the final day of the season, this could be an important game, they play Golden State. Oh, wow. But, but, I mean, you've got two Orlandos in there. You've got a Minnesota. You've got a Detroit. And you've got a pair of games against Sacramento. I mean, that's that's pretty good. That's, that's really something they have to take advantage of. Absolutely. No, they've got to no win. Like, the two against Orlando, the two against the Kings, uh, the game against the T-Wolves and the Pistons, that's six wins just sitting there for you to grab, to take. Yeah, you know, you so you got to get those. That that game against Golden State, though, um, on the final game of the season, that could be very interesting. That it could be very interesting. Now, especially for position, right? Now, the team that I think could really be um, in a little bit of trouble when it comes to the seating there are the Spurs. If you look at their schedule, at Miami, at Boston, home for Philly a pair of games on the road against Utah. Then they play at Sacramento at Portland, come home from Milwaukee, then go back on the road for a pair of games against Brooklyn and the Knicks, and then come home for their final two games against the Suns in both of those games. That's a murderer's row schedule. That's tough. That is very tough. That is very tough. And, um, if they don't want to be like the lowest seed in the playoff tournament, they, they're going to have to at least split those or 
Yeah, you know, it's going to be tough. And, you know, for Golden State, I mean, I mean, as ugly as they looked on Tuesday night, um, they don't have as many games left. And you look at their schedule. It's it's nowhere near as tough. They've got a couple of games against the Thunder in there. They've got a game against the Rockets in there. Um, So, you know, they've got two games against the Pelicans, which you never know what Pelicans team is going to show up. Um, So their schedule is definitely easier. So, I mean, the Spurs are the ones that are going to have a tougher time in not being that 10 seed for the plan. Right, right. And and before we get into uh, the other one, um, I, I did want to mention with Memphis uh, how fun it's been to watch them kind of just burrow through the season. We've talked about it earlier this year about how plagued they've been by injuries, not only this year, but really for the last two years. Check this out. On Monday was the first time they've had a clean injury slate in two years. Monday night was the first time they had ever had a clean injury slate. Nobody was on the injury report. Zero. That's crazy. And I'm in two seasons, Brian. I mean, I mentioned Jonas. I mean, he's back, but like, I want to get him back to where he was, you know, a couple of months ago before he got injured. Rebounding 20, 20, 20 boards a night. What was he putting up? Like a 17, 13, like every yeah. night? Something yeah, like he that? was. He was he was killing it. And, and 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 some unsung heroes that we don't talk about are the Grizzlies bench. Guys like Desmond Bain and Xavier Tillman and Brandon Clark. And my very personal favorite, the Anthony Melton, who is really, really coming into his own this season. Uh, he's in his third year, but he's 22 years old. He was a second round pick in 2018. Uh, he is very, very feisty uh, as a defender. He is able to knock down three-point shot. He doesn't need the ball in his hands to be effective. He's a very good secondary playmaker, and he's a good playmaker in it as, as itself. But this dude makes a huge difference, and it would not surprise me in the least if he was somebody that balled out for them in the playoffs and was a big reason why they advanced in the tournament or whatever it may be. Yeah, and the Grizzlies, they couldn't put up points. They are deep. They find ways to do it. Morant hasn't – he it looks like he might be a little dinged up, but, he, you know, he's out there. He's playing, and we know that while his game has been a little bit up and down lately, that he's going to be a guy that's probably going to be there in tight games down the stretch. He's clutch. He is a clutch guy. So, you know, that that's a team to really look out for. Um and, you know, with, with them finally getting healthy, I mean, if they are able to emerge, you know, from the playing tournament, I mean, they could make life a little bit miserable for, you know, whoever's the one or two seed in the West, you know, when it comes to the actual, you know, official playoffs. But, you know, the other team we haven't talked about is Portland. They're trying to get right. You know, like you said, Dame, not totally there yet. I mean, he did deal with an ankle injury not too long ago and he's back. You know, they, they he just won. doesn't look right. If you watch him, if you watch, he doesn't have that same kind of fire. Um, it, it, and this is this is just he's human, man. You know, like it's not by a lack of effort or anything like that. It's just the burst isn't there. And that to me tells me that there's a little bit more uh, fatigue long term going into this uh, from all that work he had to do when everyone was on the sidelines. Um, and Danny Morang, uh, one of the Blazers uh, outsiders podcast hosts uh, made that point. And, and like the more I would actually start watching these games over the last week, I'm like, yeah, Dame doesn't, 
have quite the 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 burst to to get by guys uh the the you know the it, it just looks like he's a little bit off a little bit slow when you look um, at everything so that, that he's gone through this year it has been a taxing season for Dame. Oh yeah. Not because, not just because of the, and we've talked about this before, but the physicality on the court and having to carry the team in, in these stretches, but also everything that he has gone through emotionally off the court. Yes. And then some of that he has gone into some of that. He is still a bit reserved on because he said relatives that have passed away, friends that have passed away, um, it, you know, and everything that's, you know, he's going through that everybody else does when it comes to the pandemic and whatnot. So it, it has been an extremely hard season on Dame. I mean, at one point he even said like, you would not realize the emotional toll the season has put me through and, and taken him to. And um, yeah. And, and you can kind of see it all kind of catching up with him now. And it's totally understandable. It's, you know, he is human, believe it or not. Yeah. Yeah. No question. So um, because of that, you're going to need, the best that you can get out of CJ McCollum, who has shown signs of being CJ McCollum, but maybe not quite the, the, the signs of what he was prior to that injury. Uh, Norm Powell's going to need to step up in a big way. That's why they brought him in. Yusuf Nurkic has stepped up in a big way, which is a good sign because he's one of the most dominant big men and, and uh, you know, best passing big men gets on the boards uh, can give you a body in the paint, even if he's not amazing at protecting the rim. It's somebody that can really get in there and 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 make opponents think uh, before they enter the uh, the interior. So it's the other guys that are going to need to step up for Dame. They need to repay the favor for him. You know, guys like Robert Covington, um, who has been a really good anchor uh, defensively this year for them. But the problem is. Covington and, and the Derek Jones, they can't fix the team defense on their own, right? They're going to need some buy-in from the others. And that, that's, that's where they're, that's where they are the most vulnerable uh, is on the defensive end. Yeah. And then that's been the problem for the last couple of years, you know, when it comes to. Which is Portland. bad because they brought those two in specifically to help shore up that end. Right. And, and it's, it's continues to be a problem. Like you said, you know, and you look at this team and I know that they've been beset by injuries and whatnot over the last couple of years, but there's more and more rumblings coming out of Portland that there could be some changes, some big changes in the off season. I don't know if that's going to be a coaching thing with Terry Stotts. I don't know if that means that they'd be open to rejiggering the roster. And to me, that's, that's not a Damian Lillard trade. No way in hell. I can't imagine them ever, you know, uh, moving him, but I can see them moving just about anybody else you know, on that roster. So, I mean, it, it is an important off season for Portland and it's not just, Oh, they've got to get to the NBA finals or something like that. But I mean, they, they've got to show something here um, or else I think that they're going to, you know, management on that team could look at it and just say, Hey, this isn't working and we've got to shake something up here, but it's, it's a tough sled for them down the stretch, you know, with the schedule they've gotten and with uh you know, with the position that they're in right now and then dealing with some injuries and like you said, the defensive, you know, problems that they have, I mean, it, it's going to be a tough sled, you know, for them to, I think, I don't even know if they're going to get out of the playing tournament, quite honestly, with everything that's going on, you know, especially the biggest thing there is the Dame injury because you can be in tight games and you can't expect him to necessarily bail you out. We could be looking like idiots a week from now, just saying in case, in case Dame does find that. I hope that he does. Same I, Dame time. You know what I'm saying? But I will say 
they started one of their longest road trips of the season with that win in Indiana. Uh, they've got the Grizzlies on Wednesday, as we've mentioned, and then they're at Brooklyn, they're at Boston, they're at Atlanta, and then at Cleveland. So, so there's three tough games soft. right there. It ends yeah. soft, but there's some doozies in there. There are, you know, and, uh, you know, I look at them right now and I think, you know, you're going to be, you're most likely going to be in the playing tournament unless Dallas really falls apart. Who knows with Dallas? I mean, the Mavericks win two in a row against the Lakers, you know, with Anthony Davis coming back and then they, they lose. Inexplicably. Inexplicably lose to Sacramento. How does it, that even happen? De'Aaron Foxless Sacramento, by right. the way. I mean, you want to talk about a win that's just up on a silver platter for you, and they don't take advantage of that. And then, you know, Golden State just had a horrific night, and the Mavericks showed up for that, you know, and Luca putting up 39. So, you know, they're they're kind of all over the place. I I still think that they'll probably hold on to that six seed. You know, I, I think the, the seating is almost done for the top six. I mean, I know it's super tight still in the West and there could be some moving around, but you know, the top three, I got my eye on the top three. I don't think that's settled at all. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll see what happens. I mean, with Utah, obviously, you know, missing Mitchell trying to hold on to the top spot. Phoenix is right there. You got CP three pulling out wins, you know, in the Mecca, up in New York. Oh my God! What a game that was! By the way, up scores the final seven. Scores the final seven. Uh, you know, yelling out. Uh, it, it was kind of just just hit ridiculous threes and stuff. And that was by no fault of of New York. Uh, I mean, New York battled their asses off. They kept not wanting to go away. Julius Randle making big shot. R.J. Barrett making big shot. They would have big stops. They just wouldn't be able to to close them out because. They they played amazing defense on Chris Paul on that uh, on one of those final possessions, and he threw up a prayer at the at the buzzer, uh, or not the buzzer, but at the shot clock expiration, and it just went through, didn't even touch rim, and and CP three was just kind of toying with him, and you know that that doesn't even go to say what kind of game that Mikel Bridges had and the game that Devin Booker had, like those were two, that was just a very good basketball game on on Monday between those two teams, and I I really would love to see them go at it again. But huge win for for Phoenix because they they did not uh, get the job done against the Nets the the day beforehand. Uh, but the Suns on that road trip, man, it, it, this has been a very good and a very uh, impressive string uh, for them to go three and two on that and um, take down some some mighty mighty Eastern Conference teams. Can we uh, can we go through a little exercise here in the Western Conference then? I know we still got two weeks before the end of the regular season or thereabouts. Let's go through this little exercise though. Let's say the seating is going to stay where it's at right now. So the seven and eight game would be the Blazers against the Grizzlies. The nine and 10 is the Spurs and the Warriors. Who do you like in those two games? History, by the way, between both of those games. Um, so Portland, Memphis, I would have to give the edge to Memphis, um, Me too. one, because they're just kind of finding their rhythm right now and Portland slipping a little Two because they're, there's a revenge factor in there from last year. If you quite remember. Yes. From and I like, I like Memphis as well. Yeah. So I would give Memphis the edge there. So Memphis would end up being the seven seed since they win that game and that Portland, and, Portland yeah. would not be eliminated. 
Not Remember yet. that. Spurs against Warriors. Spurs and Warriors. It's hard taking the Warriors after watching what they did on Tuesday night. I don't want to be a, a prisoner of the moment. I will take the Warriors. Uh, I'll take the Spurs, citing the reason that Draymond Green does not score the basketball. Okay. So that, now- that, that'd be my... And DeJounte Murray's one hell of a defender, and so is Derek White. And they could throw some looks at Steph and make others beat them. So Kelly Oubre would have to play really well. Andrew Wiggins would have to play really well. Jordan Poole couldn't have a cold night. That would be an interesting adjustment for them. Even though it's impossible to adjust to Stephen Curry, don't get me wrong, but the length and the kind of physicality that Derek White and DeJounte Murray have when they play defense, I think could get into Steph a little, especially since Steph's been putting this team on his back for so long. Maybe fatigue could play a factor there. Yeah, you're probably right. You, yeah, so, okay, I'll, I'll say Spurs as well. So now so now you've got Blazers, Spurs for the, for the eighth seed. Hmm. I'm going to say same thing, San Antonio. Yeah. I. And even, even though it's been, it has not been a pretty season for the Spurs. It has not. Um, no. I'm just looking at, DeMar DeRozan starting to, to, to ramp back up again. You know, it's usually up and down with him, but he's been, he's been very, very aggressive in his last two games. We know Portland can't defend, right? Yeah. Neither can the Wizards or the Pelicans. What did DeMar do to those two teams, you know? So we look so at I'm this just looking for, for a, a matchup-based thing here. Sure. Um, so and, we, yeah. we both like the Spurs there. So that we're talking Grizzlies capture the seven Spurs get the eight. So yes. that in that scenario, here are our Western conference first round playoff matchups. The Utah jazz against the San Antonio Spurs are your one, eight, the two, seven of the Suns against the Grizzlies. The three, six would be the Clippers against the Mavericks. The four, five would be the nuggets against the Lakers. That's a good first round. And and may that's I also say Suns Grizzlies that I feel like that's a game I've never seen. <laughs> like, I know it's it's you know, like, a weird there's game. There's no there's no like but I mean link it, to that that series like that's yeah. so weird. I mean if you look at kind of the setup for the matchups if that was going to be the case. So Jazz against the Spurs it feels like a little bit of an old-timey Western Conference rivalry thing there. Very old-timey. Yeah. Suns against Grizzlies, you're talking about CP3 against John Morant. So that's that's a nice little matchup there. Clippers against the Mavericks. History last a, year, Luka Doncic getting his ankle stepped on. Yeah, exactly. And then 4-5, you got Nuggets against Lakers. You've got the presumptive MVP of the league, seeing if he can carry the Nuggets past the Lakers, who will have both Anthony Davis and LeBron James at that point, and the defending champions in the first round, which... And again, rematch. Yeah, rematch, and of course, they're missing Jamal Murray. So I I like how there's already some people that are out there going, ah, man, this is just shaping up so wonderful for the Lakers now because, you know, AD is back, and now they're going to get LeBron back. You know, I I think LeBron's probably going to be back in about three games, I want to say. Yeah, I was going to say, it's probably within a week, a week and yeah, a half. So, I mean, he posted something on his Instagram of him running. Right. <laughs> you don't know the significance of that, but I'm guessing that's kind of a hint. 
Yeah. So, I mean, who knows how many games he's going to play down the stretch because maybe they don't play him in back to back. Maybe they don't play him in the last game. Well, it kind of depends on everything. But people are looking at it going, ah, Nuggets against Lakers. I mean, Nuggets don't have Jamal Murray teed up for the Lakers. Boom. They win that. Okay. Now, then they take on the Utah Jazz. We don't know how healthy Mitchell is going to be. Um, you know, we know that, you know, the Jazz have had problems in the playoffs sometimes. Will that be the same thing this season, even though they played incredibly well this year? Uh, that's set up for the Lakers to win. Boom, they're in the Western Conference Finals already. All right, here we go. You know, so I, who knows? I mean, but it's, the West is set up pretty nicely right now for, especially for that first round, if that's the way it's going to be. I mean, well, mind you, a lot of different things can happen. I mean, hell, the, the Clippers could, you know, uh, end up taking on the Lakers in the first round if the Lakers fell to the sixth seed. Um, the Suns can end up being the top seed. The Jazz could be the two. Uh, I mean, there's still scenarios where the Clippers could end up as the top seed, yep. you know, out in the West. I mean, even without Kawhi, you know, where they're hoping to get back here soon and they're kind of reevaluating him and PG's a little bit dinged up and says he's going to play through it. So, you know, we're, we're not over yet, you know, in the West when it comes to seeding. I mean, the Lakers are trying to move back, it seems like, but then they'll get a win and they'll hold on, you know, and then they get help from the Mavericks for that bad loss against the Kings. So, you know, I, I, the only team that I feel pretty good about when it comes to the top six and going, yep, that's going to be their seeding, the Nuggets. The Nuggets are going to be the four seed. Okay. They're going to be the four seed and the Lakers are either going to be five or six. I would say five, but they- I, I would love if like Dallas made a run and Lakers ended up with that six seed, just so we could finally see the LA, the LA playoff series that we wanted last year. We could see that in the first round. Are we ever going to get the battle of Los Angeles and, uh, right. you know, the playoffs and right. It, it might be wishful thinking again this year. I don't know. Could be, could be. Uh, do we talk about the mess going on in the East? Yeah, let's talk about the mess in the East. All right, where are we starting? Well, let's start on the back end. <laughs> okay, so... The back end. Yeah. So we've got two teams. Well, okay. If you look at the 10, 11, and 12 seeds, they're only separated by a game and a half. Yes. So the Raptors have started to put together and started to make a little bit of a push, but they're still kind of up and down. Thanks you to know. Ken Birch. Yeah. So they're, yeah. And the, Freddie McGillespie. The, the Ken Birch Raptors now. So they're, they're on, you know, they need to get, they need to leapfrog the Bulls and the Wizards. The Bulls make the big trade, you know, during the deadline, they give Vooch and it has not worked out. But the biggest problem, well, I say hasn't worked out. Vooch has played well. The problem is Zach Levine you know, has been out with COVID restrictions. So that has really, really hurt them. Plus them trying to find themselves a team chemistry and whatnot with the big change they made at the playoff at the, the uh, trade deadline. And then you have your Washington wizards who won right. seven in a row of one, eight of 10 Russell Westbrook looks like he's 25 years old. Killing it's great. Everybody. It sucks that it had, I, it sucks that their streak had to come to an end to the Spurs because that game was so fun to watch. There was not a lick of defense played. Don't get me wrong. No. But the the shot making in that final two-minute span to get to overtime was incredible. And watching Bradley Beal go to work, watching Russ get to the cup, watching DeMar hit every mid-range shot, watching Patty Mills do what he does all the time and look like he's the Aussie National Player of the Year. Like, 
it, it, it was just such a fun game to watch. And it meant a lot, a great deal to both teams. And San Antonio ended up coming out on top because, uh, you know, DeRozan uh, was just too much. I'm going to tell you right now that the Wizards continue to play this well. And I know they don't play a lick of D, okay? But this team is in the playing tournament. I think they've got a solid shot of getting out of that. Interesting. And it's not, because I, of the I, way it's because of the way that Beal and Westbrook one their chemistry has grown and they have a little bit more of an understanding of one another and and where they're going to be on the floor and and just communication wise they're on the same page. But two, in these close game situations and in time to close, that's when they've been delivering. So that goes to your point. Sorry for interrupting. No, no, no problem. But I mean, you look at the Wizards and the way that Westbrook is playing. I mean, that he put up that triple double and had what twenty rebounds um, yeah. last week. I mean, look at their schedule. It's pretty tough down the stretch. I mean, they've got to play. They play in the Lakers on Wednesday night. They're on the road against the Cavs and the Mavericks. They play the Pacers, and they've got the Bucks, the Raptors. Pacers back to back on the road against the Hawks. They play Cleveland and they play Charlotte. So they got to earn it here. They do, but they played well. And if they, you know, if they get in, they get in that playing tournament. That's going to be a nightmare for everybody else. I think now the other team that I really look at when it comes to that playing is well, the Hornets right now, because they've got to get healthy. Can they get healthy in time? to not only ensure that they make it into the play-in tournament, but they get into the playoffs. Because when you look at it right now, Heater 7, Hornets 8, Pacers 9, Wizards 10. Okay? I, you would think, I'm just looking at that going, well, if everybody is healthy, Hornets and the Heat should get through. It's a big if. It's a big if, though, if the Wizards are still playing well. The Pacers, I don't think they would do it, but... Never say never. I could I could see some random stuff happening the way that, that the teams are trending right now. I could see Toronto leapfrogging. I could see Chicago leapfrogging. Chicago's won four out of six, even though the trade hasn't been great. Like they, I mean, they just gotta get healthy. I mean, they gotta get I just back. see downward trend. I see downward trends with Miami. I see downward trends with Indiana. Indiana can't defend. That's this is the first year. This is the first year in quite some time that they have a sub 500 record at home, by the way. Um, the, the heat, but, though, I mean, that, that would be a monumental disaster if they do not at least get into the playoffs. Because, I mean, all season long, we've been saying, one, okay, well, they'll get healthy. They'll get their chemistry. They'll get this. They'll get that. And it's just like, look out for the Heat. Look out for the Heat. They're a stealth team. Nobody saw them coming last year. They get in the playoffs. You get that mentality. You get the coaching staff. You get everybody. And, like, you know, Jimmy Butler puts his head down, you know, and he's just forcing wins. And, you know, Bam's playing well. And, oh, look at Tyler Hero coming out of nowhere and everything like that. And then this year, you keep waiting for that to happen. And you see little stretches of it, and like here come the heat, and then they take a step back, and they they just have not been able to put it together this year in a sustained way to where I just cannot believe in them, and I wonder like they are prime to get picked off in that plan tournament. They are primed. if they're, they're in it. And mind the, you, mind you, they they might eat their way out if the Celtics you know, continue to have bad losses against like the thunder. And I mean, the Celtics say, Hey, we'll take that playing spot for you. If you guys want to be the sixth seed. 
I'll tell you what. The the Heat are interesting to me. Do you feel like when there are expectations for the Heat that they don't meet them, and then when there are zero expectations for the Heat, they completely go overboard? <laughs> like, they they are definitely one of those teams where they feed off being underdogs. I feel like this is this has been a trend for quite some time with them. It's just something with I think with Jimmy Butler and Spo especially the don't count us out watch what we can do kind of a thing we're under the radar or even better when people are saying like I don't believe in the heat kind of a thing maybe and that does well for them in the postseason shoot it does <laughs> I mean I mean I just don't I know we didn't see it coming last year and nobody was talking about it or very few were but I just don't feel the same way about them this year when okay. they've got good players. I mean, obviously, but you know, that just so much has happened this year and just doesn't, it doesn't feel like they could write the ship at this point. And I'm not saying that it's going to hit an iceberg and go straight down, but at the same time, it, it, it does not feel like the Miami heat are going to advance past the first round of the playoffs. I feel terrible for Charlotte because I, I, I respect so much what James Borrego's done there. He hasn't really gotten, you know, a, a enough love uh, for me with that team, uh, especially for how many injuries they've gone through. They're missing two starters, yet they're still battling. They're, I thought that they were a shoe in to not be in the, to, the, to the playoffs when those injuries happened. And they've just continued to fight. You know, uh, we, we've talked about, you know, Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham, but Let's bring up guys like PJ Washington and 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 Miles Bridges. Uh, Miles Bridges, especially somebody who has come into his own uh, this season, really, really battling and and trying to stay in that fight for a a, a spot in the postseason or even in the playoff play-in. Like that, that sucks for them. And hopefully, Labello like would come back and, and you know give him a spark or something like that. But we don't know how quickly. One, LaMelo is going to return, and two, what he's going to look like with that wrist. You know, like, that that's the thing that concerns me there. And then you obviously have Gordon Hayward, who's on the sidelines as well. Like, that sucks. That's just, that's just plain misfortune. You know, a lot of, a lot of times fans and, and pundits want to look at, okay, whose fault is it? Uh, sometimes you just have no fault of your own. Sometimes it's just sheer dumb terrible luck like and that goes for a lot of teams this season but especially for a team like a charlotte uh and a team like a memphis to where those guys should have been 40 plus uh win teams had they stayed healthy like that that right there i think is a uh is is something that we don't think about too much yeah yeah it's it's just weird the way that this season has gone. I mean, it's been a strange season. It's just those so two in teams. particular, though, that yeah. I'm thinking about. Like, yeah. And, and well, Atlanta. Atlanta should probably be a 40-plus win team. Like, th- there were multiple teams this year that got screwed over, but some more than the others, yet still can, you know, continue to fight and continue to compete. Like, those, those are the things I, I, I wish we would think about when we had some of these discussions and when – you know, people try to find answers or look for someone to be a scapegoat or, you know, 
like that. I just wish in discussion we would take those things into consideration. The team to me that's had the roughest time the entire year of the Toronto Raptors, aka yes. the Tampa Raptors, because not only did they have to go through all the pandemic stuff that everybody else is going to go through when it comes to daily testing and everything else like that, not only was their team hit by this pretty hard, but also their routine is totally out of whack because they don't even get to play at home. They're in Tampa. They're not in Toronto. So the way from home, they're in strange facilities They're in a strange area. Everything is just totally out of whack. Half the team is probably melting because they're not used to the weather. I mean, you name it. They've gone through it this year. It has been a strange topsy turvy season from beginning to end for the Raptors. They were put behind the eight ball, you know, almost unlike any other team because they had to move. They had to move pretty quickly as well. And like I said, with everything else that has gone on and, and they got hit by COVID and everything. So, I mean, they're for them, you know, we sit there and we talk about like Toronto acumen, you know, with the, you know, everything of, uh, you know, great coaching staff and just that team is able to somehow, you know, pull out wins and things like this in the past years. But remember they went through a pretty big roster change, especially with their front line this off season as well. And you add that all up. And while we kept sitting there going, eh, maybe the Raptors will pull it together here. They're another team. It's just like, it made sense that they're in the position that they're in right now because of all of those different things with them now scrapping just to get into the playing tournament. And it's going to be hard because they have a tough schedule. The Bulls have a tough schedule. The Wizards have a tough schedule. And those are the final, you know, those are the three teams that are fighting for that 10 spot right now. And I mean, someone's going to have to earn it or, you know, who knows? Maybe somebody will just fall backwards into it. They're, hey, we went four and six in our last 10, but it's better than the other guys. So we, we squeaked it in, you know, to the playing tournament. Yep. And I think that just says more that you should admire that they are still even in this thing. Like if you look at the other teams that are surrounding them and they don't have nearly the excuses that, that the Raptors could use maybe Washington because of early in the season, having literally 10 players out to the protocols or something. And they had to take two weeks off. Like, you know, like that, you know, you could compare with, with Toronto, but if you look at these teams like Indiana and Chicago, for them to have nearly the same record as them, I think is more admirable on the, the Raptors part than, than anything else. I mean, how many times, I mean, I there was, go back two or three weeks and there was some belief that the Raptors are folding up 10th, yep. you know, that they're, 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 you know, they're, they won't say it, but that's it. They're done. And here they are. They're a game and a half out of the 10, you know, to get into the play in tournament. They're, they're trying, you're not they giving are. it up. And, you, know, you know, if you switch over real quick too to the top end of the East, you know, the Nets, the Sixers, the Bucks, you know, three and a half games separates them. And, you know, I mentioned this earlier, but it looked like, you know, with Harden going down, the Sixers could claim that top spot, like really make a move for it. And that did not happen. And now they're sitting there, they're a game and a half back of the Nets. The Bucks are three and a half back of the Nets. The only two games separating the Sixers and the Bucks. I thought, you know, for, for a moment there, it looked like, wait a second, don't count out the Bucks. Maybe they'll sneak their way into the top seed or at least the two. They still could, but the Bucks have kind of taken a half step back as well, you know, over the last week. So being Ben Simmons list really hurt 
the the Sixers oh, during that stretch. Really, really hurt them. So I mean, yeah. so I mean, for the Nets now, I mean, you know, they won three in a row, and they're probably sitting going, "Hey, well, I think we're going to get this top C." But it it's still up for grabs. But I don't think as much as it was if you even go back like five, six, seven days ago, where it really looked like something funky could happen here. Like there, there could still be some moving and. You know, the Sixers really haven't grabbed that. And like you said, you know, missing uh, Simmons has really hurt them. And, you know, the Bucks had a real opportunity. I think they're playing well. Uh, they're playing better, but not good enough to where I don't think they're necessarily going to move up. And they're probably they're not totally locked into that three seed, but they're getting close to it. Yeah, no. Uh, and I just wanted to make a point on the Nets. Uh, have you been watching Mike James? Mike James is three is three games shooting the lights out. Um, I've never seen more attention for a guy coming from like wondering people wondering if he's in the league to him getting a 10 day contract and getting this much attention. That's right. That's right. It's because he comes off the bench. It makes a huge impact, man. That's about it. I mean, uh, two out of three games he's played over 21 minutes, you know, he's scoring the ball. Um, he plays really fast and I don't know if you remember him in his days in Phoenix, but he did play really well for the Suns a few years ago. I'm just wondering um, who's going to so. win the MVP between him and Bruce Brown now that they're on the same team. I mean, it's going to be tough. Hey, what are you leaving out Uncle Jeff Green for, huh? Steady Eddie. I said it last <laughs> night, though. He's not just Steady Eddie. He's also a Duncan machine. That dude's been showing some hops this year and showing some athleticism. By the I way, love it. Speaking of dunks, did you see Drew Holiday dunk on <laughs> Bismack Biombo? Talk about that? unassuming. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. He can dunk? I was like, I, I know Drew Holiday's not not short, you know, even by point guard yeah. stands, but you never see him dunk. And like, hey, I give all the credit in the world to Biombo for challenging him as well. Like, people yeah. always try to make fun of the guys that get posterized. I'm like, hey, man, he's trying to challenge this. But like, out of nowhere, like Holiday's like driving into the lane. You think he's just gonna try to lay it in or whatever. The next thing you know, the dude is dunking. <laughs> unassuming, unassuming Drew Holiday. It's great, uh, but. But just a, a couple of their notes on the Nets. Uh, we still don't talk enough nearly about how how much of an impact that Joe Harris has on this team. He doesn't even have the ball in his hands often. He just shoots the lights out and is reliable in doing so. 48% beyond the arc this year. That leads the NBA on six and a half attempts a game. Like, this dude is delivering. And a lot of people question that contract. But when you play a role like this on a team full of superstars, you are, <laughs> you have to deliver. And he's doing that. If like, that team is healthy in the playoffs. Who do you want shooting the ball when you get down that stretch and you've got Kyrie, Harden, Durant, you've got Joe Harris. I mean, that dude's going to get so many open shots. I was going to say, I can't, I can't pick against like a Kyrie, but like, I, I, you know, I, like, you know, if you're but, talking about from the perimeter, I'd rather Kyrie shoot it than Joe Harris. in, in a lot of instances, you, you, do you mean vice versa? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, okay. You would rather I, have Harris shooting it than, than Irving is what you were. No, you no, no, no. I'd no? rather have Kyrie rather shooting. Have, no, no, I was going to say in the clutch, I would obviously rather have Kyrie Irving and Kevin well, Durant. You, you James say Harden. that, but I mean, I'm sitting there going, okay, if it comes down to those two, like, and they're shooting a three. I pick your poison, man. <laughs> I know it is. It's 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 essentially unfair. Essentially it, unfair. I mean, they got to get the you know these tight games. And now Shamit's starting to find it. 
Like yeah. Blake's not shooting horribly from deep. And he and Blake's playing really well. Blake Blake looks great. Like I did not I did not expect to see him this fresh looking. Uh, and then and then uh, you know on the the sidelines and stuff when the other guys are hurt you guys guys like Alize Johnson they're they're just playing really well like he he's been out with protocols lately but it, it's just the the depth that they have and I think that their coaching staff is really going to help them come playoffs it, you know everyone looks at Steve 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 Nash being the rookie coach right but then you got guys like Amare and and D'Antoni and, you know, like all of these great influencing minds on the sidelines with him, like that's a big deal. It's a big it deal is. for that type. I mean, and Steve's been around the block and he's a pretty smart cat. Okay. So but I know he's a rookie coach, but I'm not going to totally discount Steve Nash's basketball acumen. I mean, yeah. It's more you, about the, it's more about the minutes for me with him, but yeah. So, mm-hmm. so, Okay, let's do the, the same exercise in the Easter real quick. Okay, if seating ends up the way it is, and there's a lot more that could change here, especially like the Knicks and the Hawks are tied, you know, at four and five right now, and the Celtics are trying to play their way into the play-in tournament um, rather than hold on to that six seed. <laughs> play but their way into they, the they're trying. Like that. Um, you know, everybody's like, oh, maybe the Celtics have put it together and Kemba's playing better, and it's just like now they've lost three in a row. Uh but if it is the way right now, he, you have Heat against the Hornets, Pacers against the Wizards. Heat, Hornets, Pacers, Wizards. Yeah. Give me Washington. Got it. Give me I, Miami. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to take Miami, but, man, it's, that's a tough one. It's a tough one. It's a tough I, one, but it's I, just the, got if they're healthy, I can't. Yeah. yeah. So you've got Hornets against Wizards for that eighth seed then. No, you mean Hornets and uh yeah, you know, you're right. You're right. Hornets against uh, Wizards. Give me Russ and Beal on that one. I don't yeah. know, man. It's I mean, how healthy are the Hornets at that point? Yeah. And even though, even though the East is the Wizards Achilles heel, they have 10 wins against the East. Um I just think that they've just had this groove right now. Just because just because they lost the Spurs by three points doesn't mean that that's going to derail their momentum or anything. Like, yeah, they're in a, they're an offensive groove right now, and that's that's big time. Okay, so if that's the case, Miami's the seven and the Wizards are the eight. Here's your matchups. First round is the offensive <laughs> matchup of the Nets against the Wizards. Amazing matchup, and the <laughs> Wizards have beaten them. Yes. You'd have the Sixers against the Heat in the first round of the playoffs. Let the bloodbath begin. Yeah. The, the Bucks against the Celtics in the earn your green badge. And then you've got the Knicks against the Hawks in the first round. Those are between the East and the West. Those would be really good matchups. They're really, really good. They really would. And think about Brooklyn and Washington. Just for the factor of the KD versus Russ in the playoffs. Oh, are you kidding me? There's no defense in that game. There's no defense in that game. Kevin Durant is arguably the best defender on both teams. Oh my God. I can't imagine like Davis Bertans trying to <laughs> like what whether you know uh, they'll have Rui on KD in that one. They would yep. have 
I would say Kyrie on Russ and then Harden on Beal. I, I go, God, it's bad both ways. Oh, man. It's bad every which it's way. It's bad both ways. And I, again, you know, I say KD versus Russ, but you think about Harden versus Russ. Like, you know, there, there's some storylines in that. And that's probably one of the craziest 1-8 matchups that we've ever seen, uh, just, just from a marketing standpoint. So it would be Kyrie defending Westbrook or Beal? I would say definitely Westbrook because Durant would be on Beal, I would assume. Because Durant can play D individually. Think about how fast that is between Russ and Kyrie. It is a very this you want to take the overs on the totals in this series, folks, if it happens. Um yeah, yeah I meant I meant that Sixers heat. I mean, if the heat can get a little like you bit said right, bloodbath I mean, is a great way to put a, it. That is a bloodbath. There, there's elbows flying every which way in that matchup. <laughs> Sharpen the elbows up, man. Come on. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, bam and 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 beat. You got Simmons versus Butler. Uh, yeah, this is physical. This is physical uh, basketball. That that, that, that feels like '80s basketball, you know. I love it. That that would be three. 90s. That would be three matchups like that too. In in our hypothetical, you know. Yeah, we would. We were talking. Uh, you know, Utah San Antonio is a classic matchup. You know, like that would be. That would be a very good. Dude, if you do, and Knicks you can and even Hawks. say Phoenix. Phoenix and Memphis would be the same way. Yeah, like. You, if you can get Knicks and Hawks, can, can we please get Bernard King and Dominique Wilkins to come back? I mean, come on, get, put them on the sideline. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Got to, got to pay homage, got to pay homage, but that's a good series itself too. And those, those playoff matchups, I mean, we're not mentioning Milwaukee, Boston, cause you know, we've, we've seen that before. We've seen Milwaukee and Boston before. Yeah. But I mean, that that's a really good, interesting matchup. I think. Well, it could be. I, I would if think Boston, if Boston's well, clicking, if Tatum and Brown are being Taylor, Tatum and Brown. Well, I, I will say this. I say it's an interesting matchup. I would expect Milwaukee to steamroll them, though. Steamroll. Really steamroll. Woo. I mean, five. All right. I mean, Let's to, not get into playoff predictions, but I, I, I'm throwing it out there right now. I mean, Boston's a mess. Boston is a mess. Boston's a mess right now, but we mm. will see. Before we, we get see. out of here, I think we need to talk about the mess that happened in Cleveland. Oh, yeah. Cavaliers the other night. And you wrote a very fascinating and uh, must-read article about the state of the Cavs when it comes to Kevin Love. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so my goal of this column was to be as fair and measured as I possibly could, but firm and stern. Because I think it was is really important to contextualize the situation, but to also look at the history of what's going on. Now, we saw what happened in Toronto. Referee is that side out, by the way, does not happen often, uh, you know, just kind of prefacing it there. Referee side out, tossing the ball back to Kevin, who's behind the baseline. He's actually by the stanchion. And Kevin... Slaps it down because he's pissed. He didn't get a call. He, he, he got uh, a little bit of a love tap from Freddie Gillespie when he was battling for a rebound. Uh, end up in the stanchion. The play beforehand uh, hurts his knee when he's trying to box out Kem Birch because he's active. Yeah, we've, we talked about it already. The Raptors are being scrappy right now in a good way. 
But Kevin bats the ball. The ball goes inbounds. Stanley Johnson standing there in the corner like, uh, okay, here, I'm just going to pass it over. <laughs> just going to pass it right over here to Malachi Flynn so he can shoot a three. Okay, Malachi Flynn, uh, you know, three-point, three-pointer, and uh, ends up, you know, turning into an 11-point lead at the end of the third quarter for the Raptors over the Cavs in a game that they were in. It was a six-point game when the incident occurred. And I remember watching this and, like, seeing it blow up on Twitter. I was like, what is happening here? Yes. I wasn't watching the game at that moment. I just saw it on Twitter, and then I had to, like, turn it in because I was like, okay, what just happened? I had to watch it, like, three or four times. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was trying to get every angle. I was trying to read into the situation before I reacted. So I did. And I still came down and, and said these three things. One, the act was selfish and wrong because Kevin Love is 32 years old. He's in his 12th season, right? He and Matthew Delvadova are the only ones left from that championship team. And they're the dependable vets. And really the only vets. Unless you want to count Larry Nance Jr. and Torian Prince, who've been in the league for like five, six years, right? So by love doing that, he is literally saying that it is okay to pout and cost your team points and momentum when there's a bad call. So that's bad decision number one. Number two, Cavs being in the game, going a little bit further into that. Less than two minutes left in the third quarter. The Cavs had scrapped and clawed back into that game. There were a lot of big runs by both teams, by the way. But it was a six-point game. It was even a four-point game before all that. And the Cavs were without seven guys, Colin Sexton including, uh, backup center Isaiah Hardenstein, Lamar Stevens, Larry Nance Jr. All of them were out. So Cleveland was fighting. But Kevin, again, batting the ball in that situation. You have to have more emotional maturity to center yourself. And then my third point. This is not the first time that Kevin's done this. Kevin has lashed out before. It's been a pattern. Ever since that extension got signed, four years, $120 million in the summer of 2018. Deal has not amounted well to either. It sucks the way that it started out, right? Cavs wanted to compete post-LeBron. They have all the vets. They have the leftovers from that, that team. That's why I didn't consider that a rebuilding year because they went into that wanting to be in the middle of the pack and to compete. Ty Lue was even the head coach for the first six games. Kevin got injured in the preseason when he hurt his toe. And then four games in, Boom, basically his season was over. He didn't come back until that, you know, February or March, whatever it was. That's not his fault. He, he, the mental toll it can take on your psyche. We know what his, his history of, of mental health issues. I understand that. He does great work. He has the Kevin Love Fund. He is a, an amazing person and a, a champion in the mental health cause. This has nothing to do with having a short fuse. Zero. 
Zero. You can't say that that's the, that's the reason. Getting a bad call is the reason that you have a, a, a mental breakdown. No. That's just getting pissed. You're getting pissed, and then you're, you're pouting about it. So what I called for was some discipline. A game suspension. Two-game suspension. Because there was, in the past, multiple instances with different players where they've gotten come down hard on. Such as J.R. Smith being sent home because of discontent in that same year that I just mentioned, in 2018. Kevin Porter Jr., he had suspensions because of, of, of behavior off the court. Uh, Andre Drummond is a little bit different of an example. It's more of a punishment, uh, more of a situation than a punishment, but they kept him away from the team to try and maintain that culture that they're trying to build and that environment that they're trying to build. I'm not saying trade the guy. I'm not saying get rid of the guy because he is way too important to the team on and off the floor, way too important. And he makes a huge difference legitimately on the court, on the court. I think I saw that. Their offensive rating is 10 points better per 100 possessions with him on the floor. So I didn't want to be like super reactionary guy. But to not discipline him for something like this, regardless of the context, regardless of the, the details that have come out and the intent, I guess that's the word I'm looking for. Regardless of the intent, it still happened. And if there's a pattern of this behavior, even though it might not be the same as those past situations where he yelled at John Beeline and, and Kobe Altman reportedly and, uh, you know, fired off a ball to Jetty Osmond after clapping at Colin Sexton, uh, you know, a couple years ago. You, you have to show that this is not okay. You cannot act in such a manner. It is not acceptable. It is inexcusable. It's, it's bad behavior. And um, just because you have a short fuse doesn't mean that you are immune from punishment. Especially because it would be hypocritical for those past instances that I mentioned. Even though they're not the same, it's still misbehaving. So you can't, you can't let that go, in my opinion. And... Uh, it's not, it sucks. The, the contract sucks. Hindsight's 2020 people. I mean, all-stars don't grow on trees. They certainly don't come to Cleveland. So if you're looking at the front office and saying, hey, you shouldn't have given him this contract. Really? I, I don't just, I don't agree with that at all. You had somebody who was giving you legitimately 20 and 10 a night. I, I would have done it. Since that contract's been signed, Love has played 96 games out of a possible 208. That is 46% of the games. Sometimes it's nobody's fault. Sometimes it's just, again, dumb luck, bad luck, horrible luck. In Love's situation, that's how I feel about it. I, I, I just, I got attacked on Twitter talking about this stuff. Um, from the minority uh, crowd in this, by the way, not the overall reception of the article was good. 
but the 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 negatives of, of that talking about how this is a terrible piece because of his issues with mental health. I'm not doing that. No, because somebody gets angry doesn't automatically equate to mental health issue. I, I, I'm not there, especially not in a game, not in a basketball game. No, not going there. Well, you're totally right from the standpoint that Kevin has been around way too long and knows better than doing this. It's, it's inexcusable. I, it's, it's not excusable for a rookie to do it. And it definitely isn't excusable for a guy of his tenure and his level and what he means to the team. He's supposed to be, you know, doing things the right way. He's supposed to be one of the guys that people say, this is how you be accountable. This is how you do things. Even when things aren't going well for you, you act professional, you do things the right way. And for him to do that, it was horrible to watch that. And he's done it way too many times. Like you said, I mean, it's, he's had these problems for whatever reason, he's not gotten better at them. I'm not going to chalk it up to a thing of, you know, when it comes to mental health, that is a serious thing. And I'm very happy that Kevin has been so forthright about that and open. Uh, but this is something that is different from that. And hey, when you talk about the contract, I mean, I understand the reasons behind why the Cavs did it. They wanted to lessen, you know, the transition from LeBron era to the next era. And they said, hey, let's do it by having a star on the team. So they gave him the four-year $120 million contract. What they didn't know is just how injured he was going to be. You know, you can never tell what's going to happen with that. And now you're sitting there with Kevin and, you know, while he's used to being on that team, I'm sure he would love to be somewhere else from a standpoint of he wants to, he wants to win. You know, there's other situations you would probably prefer to be in rather than a team that's rebuilding. However, with that contract, even if he was playing well, would be very tough to move. And with him being, you know, going through so many different injuries and whatnot, it, it's almost impossible to move him. So the contract is what it is. I mean, there, there's no point in griping too much about that now. I mean, it's rough. I mean, we've had, we've had other contracts with guys that are pretty good players and it's tough to move them. If they, you hit that number, you know, you're talking about 30 million a year, but bottom line is Kevin has just got to be better. Yeah. He you, just it, has to be it's better. That simple. It's that he, simple. You, you yes. just can't lose your cool, man. That's all. I mean, that like I said, when I saw that, I had to watch it like three or four times. I literally was like, what is going on here? Like, what, what is happening? Like, what is he thinking? It's just like to do something like that was so ridiculous. And then what and then obviously their team hit, you know, hitting the three. I mean, right off it. I mean, that's that just made it, you know, a thousand times worse. But yes. just to watch how, like, I just ticked about something that's if there's nobody defending the guy you're inbounding the ball to, then yeah, you can get away with that. When there's a defender right there, you can't do that. Yes. And I'm it's not like, vilifying Kevin Love the person, I'm vilifying Kevin Love the player. That's what people need to separate. You, ha you have to be able to separate the two. And he, he came out. Uh, this morning, very early this morning, um, it was Mark Medina of USA Today. Uh, Kevin Love spoke for the first time since the incident because he did not speak to media uh, to cool down after, after it happened a couple of days ago. Uh, but this morning, uh, Love did speak with Mark Medina, saying the intent was malicious. Uh, one of the quotes right here 
um, saying that when I snagged that ball, I didn't realize it was even in bounds. I was a little thrown off. I was going to grab it and throw it back, passing in the ball to DG, Darius Garland, and move on. I get the optics that's something I have to take on the chin and understand that was a very bad look. So get your head in the game. Get your head in the game. Yeah, th- th- I was gonna say that I I I can't I can't stand. I I don't know. I don't I don't like the justification. Like I, I'm looking at my Twitter mentions and they're talking about oh the referee also had a a vendetta against Kevin uh, no. to throw it back into him and I'm like. Even if that's the case, even if this referee was pissed and tossed the ball at Kevin, right? And and mind you, I mentioned it before, but the referee was side out and throwing it back to the baseline instead of on the baseline with him and throwing it right to him, right? Uh, I'm just saying, as a player, you cannot react in that manner, regardless of what the intent was and what the... The situation was, and yes, the the referee issue and being those those officials being too sensitive and handing out texts and whatnot. Etan Thomas did a great piece on that a few weeks ago. That's a separate conversation. I understand that, but if that was the case, I feel like Kevin would have came back into play and at least tried to make an attempt to contest a shot or to. Go get a rebound. He was sulking. Leave it at that. Please. And that's all I have on the subject. I really wish in the piece with Medina, he had kind of owned it a little bit more. That's what I thought too. I was just like, just admit it. I screwed up. I have to be better. I cannot do that. Instead of trying to make an excuse about it. I mean, is this the end all be all? No, but at the same time, it's like, Kevin, you it's not that big of a deal. Just say, I lost it. You've got to be more accountable for your actions. Don't make it into something bigger than it is. Right, because that's exactly what's going to happen now, because it's going to continue being a discussion point rather than saying, I screwed up, and I need to be better, and I will work on that, and I will make sure that does not happen again. And and the way that I, I concluded my article was this. Instead of constantly looking for a reason as to why these things are happening, maybe we need to realize that there's only been one constant in this whole thing. One constant. Got to be an adult. Be an adult. You're 32 years old, man. That's that's all. That's all I, I would ask. Again, you do amazing work. You're an amazing person off the floor. All of that, but on the floor, dude, just. Harness yourself. Chew a stick of gum or something, man. Like, chill. <laughs> chill. That's that's where I'm leaving it. And I think that's a really good place for us to uh, stop off. Again, if you want to check out that article and the, the, the commentary that I did uh, on Kevin Love's situation, then uh, go ahead and visit basketballnews.com. Basketballnews.com. We have a bunch of great articles on there right now. Nikaias Duncan, just now with his latest film breakdown on D'Angelo Russell. And how he's fitting in with the Timberwolves. Remember the Timberwolves, three in a row. Russell coming off the bench, really doing a good job there. Have my Kevin Love commentary on there. We've got many interviews on the way. Like I said, I'm talking to Derek White next week. Very excited for that. Tommy Beer with his latest piece, his debut piece for basketballnews.com. Julius Randle 
What's he got to do to get into the MVP conversation? He ain't going to win it, but the conversation. Danny Cunningham, our excellent newsline editor, did a piece on what the most unbreakable individual records on NBA history are. Wilt Chamberlain's name appears on there quite a bit, but maybe not for the reasons that you think. So make sure to check that out. And again, we are a part of the basketballnews.com podcast network. Nine other great shows for you to listen to. The Rex Chapman Show with Rex Chapman and Josh Hopkins. They just had Baylor head coach Scott Drew on talking about winning the NCAA championship. So how awesome is that? They follow that up from last week uh, when they had Steph Curry. So that's a hell of a job getting those guests, guys. Uh, That's that's really awesome. Neat and Unfiltered with Kenyon Martin and Jadakiss. The Posecast with James Posey. He just had Mario Chalmers on. Really, really good stuff. Dishes and Dimes with the ladies. The rematch with Eton Thomas. The Dunker Spot with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr. Very, very good combo, those two. They are just growing exponentially and at a ridiculous rate as one of the best sports podcasts, not just basketball podcasts, but sports podcasts in the country. The Alex Kennedy Podcast with Alex Kennedy. The Sheridan Show with Chris Sheridan. The Follow Through with Clips and Drew. And Alex Kennedy and Oliver Maroney's NBA Top Shot Weekly, where they have on guests from the crypto world, but also the NBA world. They've had Rudy Gobert on there before, Trey Jones. Lots of good stuff on our podcast network, so make sure to check it out. Share, subscribe, rate, leave a review, do all that good stuff. Do the same for us here at Keeping It 94. We'd really appreciate it. We're trying to grow this thing. And Brian and I really want to look good to our bosses. So do that for us, and we'd greatly appreciate it. For Brian Fritz, I am Spencer Davies. And with that said, we will see you on the next episode.